Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. This is from Acts 1, verses 1 through 9. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. Acts 2, 1 through 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared on them and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues, in other languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. And doesn't she read that so good? Like, you're better at reading scripture than I am, Melody. That was impressive. Hey, would you join me in prayer as we dive into the message here this morning? Lord, thank you so much for today. Chance to gather here today and be together. Even those that are with us digitally, they're here with us, Lord, uh, in spirit, God, because you are everywhere. And God, I'm just inviting you right now to just move in these next few moments. Lord, through your word, speak to us, challenge us, and stir within us a desire for more of you. Lord, I pray that we would be people of your spirit. Lord, I pray that we'd be people that are full of of boldness and courage, that we would not be ashamed of your gospel. Lord, I pray that over all of us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat? So we're continuing on in the series, Life in the River. So this is our first series, by the way, for us as being Rivers Church. Very intentional, as you can guess, that we wanted to talk about this life in the river thing because the river is reference to the Holy Spirit. So we're doing a Holy Spirit series, learning about who the Holy Spirit is, talking about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's one God and three distinct persons. And if you're a fan of old school Star Wars like I am, you might like this graphic right here. Yeah, this is kind of just a fun little Trinity graphic, just a little play on that. So the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. God himself, his presence lives in us as followers of Jesus. This is very important for us 
And it's very profound. In fact, I would even say it's, it's mind-blowing. It's just super cool that God lives in us. And so he leads us, he empowers us, he, he comforts us, he counsels us. There's so many things that God is doing in and through us, but there's two primary things that the Holy Spirit is constantly doing. And one is, we talked about this last week, one is he's drawing us closer to him, continually drawing us closer to him, and he's sending us out into the world to be a witness for Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is continually doing that in our life right now. That is his desire for his believers, to draw you closer to him and send you out into the world as a witness for Jesus, and draw you closer to him and send you out into the world as a witness for Jesus. Now, the problem is, oftentimes as believers, we find ourselves full of fear in being a witness for Jesus, This whole fear thing can get the best of us if we're not careful. We can lose this boldness. We can be in church services like this, and we're like, I'm fired up. I'm ready. I'm going to go tell everybody. Then we we go out through the week. We're like, uh, you know, we kind of get scared. And this fear thing kind of grips us, and I just want to remind you of some important truths today. And first and foremost is this, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity. That spirit of fear or timidity is not from God. But he's given you a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. That is what God has given you. Receive that. Walk in that every single day. And please know that God wants to give you boldness and courage to live for him and to be a witness for him. He wants you to be a city on a hill. He wants you to be a bright light in this world. He wants you and has called you to be salt of the earth. And so that's what we're talking about today. And the message really in a, in a sentence is this, is that, we want to follow the way of love, but eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Follow the way of love, but eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. That's 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, by the way. That's the sermon in a sentence. Follow the way of love, but eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. So we're going to talk about spiritual gifts today, specifically one important gift that we're going to pray for. But you'll find a lot about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. Very good chapters to pour over, to read over in learning about these spiritual gifts that are working in our life and also in the church. And so Paul spends a good amount of time there giving some instruction to the Corinthian church about how to operate and exercise the spiritual gifts. And then right in the middle of that whole section, we have chapter 13, which is famously known as the love chapter. First Corinthians 13 is, is people look at it as like this poem on love. You know, you see this at weddings often. You know, it's love is patient, love is kind, and this is the kind of marriage we're going to have for the rest of our life. You know, it's going to be completely patient, full of love, and all that kind of stuff, right? And so Paul's desire was not to give us his ode to love so that we could use that for our marriage or wedding ceremonies. His desire was to make sure that, that the Corinthian church and really the people of God broadly would, be, would anchor themselves in what's really, really important, and that's love, which is uh, the fruit of the, the first fruit of the Spirit. And so we are called to follow the way of love, but also eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. And so in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, right at the beginning of that whole love thing, he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm just making noise. It's a waste of time. It's not doing anybody a bit of good because there's no love involved. So it's good to exercise your gifts, especially gifts like speaking in tongues. But if you don't do this in love, we're wasting our time. So that's why I'm saying here today, follow the way of love, which is how the next chapter starts, verse 1 of 14, 
and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. So it starts with love, but also, I'm gonna encourage you today, seek the spiritual gifts in your life. You have spiritual gifts. God, through his spirit alive in you, wants to exercise and ignite gifts in and through you. And as he does that, you're gonna encourage people. You're gonna strengthen and edify the church, the Bible tells us, and you're gonna have fun, by the way, okay? So I just would encourage you to, to use those gifts. So today, we're gonna talk about the, the gift of tongues and, the, and the, the gift of this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is a fun topic to discuss. And uh, we're gonna just get ready here because we're gonna go on a little ride here because I wanna lay a biblical foundation for us. But this is one of those topics that people kind of get weirded out on, like, oh, I don't know about this. And we got people here at Rivers Church from all walks of life, different traditions, different churches. And that's good, that's beautiful. We can learn from one another. But maybe you've... Uh, heard about tongues or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you were taught, like, that's not for today. It was just for the first century church, or it's weird. It doesn't make sense. We don't talk about it. We just kind of push it aside. Maybe you've been involved where it was, like, used in excess and maybe even abused. We've got people from, you know, every spectrum here at our church. And so I just want to take a moment today and lay a biblical foundation, biblical framework, and see what God's Word tells us about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. So remember, this is what we're talking about, though. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Essentially, Paul was saying this in that 1 Corinthians 13 thing. He's saying, hey, the fruit of the Spirit are more important than the gifts of the Spirit. But the gifts of the Spirit are still very, 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 very important, okay? Fruit of the Spirit more important than the gifts of the Spirit. But the gifts of the Spirit are still very important because you and I are called to function in our gifts but make sure the fruit of the Spirit is coming out of your life. That's what's really, really important. All right, see with me? Here we go. Let's walk through a bunch of scripture, kind of lay this, this foundation as we learn here today. This is gonna be good, this is gonna be helpful. And it might actually be a little bit deep. Is that okay if we go deep today? Jesus said this. I didn't wait for your answer. I don't care what your answer is. We're going deep. <laughs> Luke 24, verse 49. And behold, Jesus said, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. What Jesus is saying here is, before you go and start the church and start making disciples, stay here in the city because you're going to be clothed with power from on high. So Jesus was very intentional. He wants them to experience that before they start the church. And then in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, Melody just read those scriptures and we see something very similar. Verse 4, Jesus says to them, Do not leave Jerusalem... But wait for the gift. And so notice in both of these instances, Jesus isn't saying, hey, if you feel like it, you might want to consider this gift that I've been talking about. Um, I recommend it, but it's not like, it's not a big deal. It's just something like if, maybe if you have time or, you know, if you agree with me in this, then, then do it. But otherwise, it's not, it's, it, don't worry about it. Jesus doesn't say that, right? It's not a suggestion. It's not even a recommendation. It is a command. Like Jesus says, wait, do not leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift. He commands it. And then you jump to verse 8 in that Acts chapter 1 passage. And Jesus says this. this is what's going to happen. When that gift comes, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That, that word power is the Greek word dunamis. Say dunamis. There it is. That's a Greek, you're speaking Greek right there. Aren't you proud of yourself? 
dunamis. That word literally means and refers to the miraculous power of God. You will receive the miraculous power of God, the dunamis power of God, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That same word dunamis was what Jesus used in Luke 24, by the way. You will be clothed with dunamis. You'll be clothed with the miraculous power of God. That word dunamis is where we get the word dynamite, by the way. So you can kind of understand it's just like this explosive, powerful thing. That's what God wants to give you as you receive this gift. So the good news is the disciples do what Jesus commanded them to do. They wait. They stay in the city. They go to the upper room, which is where they had the last supper with Jesus. They're waiting. They're praying. They're waiting. They're praying. And then 10 days later, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. We already read that, but I'm going to read it again in the NIV. what it says. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All, everybody say all. All of them. Every single person was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Who was filled with the Holy Spirit? All of them, but who was all? Who was, who was all there? All the disciples, obviously, but there's like 120 people there. So there's lots of other people, some of these other followers of Jesus, the brothers of Jesus. We know James and Jude were there. We know that Mary, Jesus' mom, was there in that moment. All of these people were baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. It's kind of interesting when you think about it. Mary herself, the mother of Jesus, baptized in the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues. In fact, what's interesting about the New Testament is every author of these New Testament books or letters were people that were baptized with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues, every single one of them. So what we'll see as we kind of walk through this is this whole baptism of the Holy Spirit thing is actually a pretty big deal. Like Jesus wanted his disciples, his followers, to experience this, to have this before they started the church. And then the pattern doesn't stop there. But then the disciples continue to make it the priority of the early church. The question is this. When Acts chapter 2 takes place, the Holy Spirit comes down on all of them in that upper room. Was that the first time that the disciples were receiving the Holy Spirit? Because some people think, well, that's when the Holy Spirit was poured out on all people. Truth is, that wasn't the first time the disciples received the Holy Spirit. you got to go back a few pages to John chapter 20. So if you're there in Acts 2, you can just flip a few pages over. John chapter 20, verse 19. Listen to this. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. Okay, so the disciples are operating out of a little spirit of fear here. The doors are locked. They're afraid that what could happen to them was the same thing that happened to Jesus. They could get crucified and died. So they're a little bit fearful. They got the doors locked doesn't stop Jesus. Jesus came and stood among them and he said, peace be with you, which I love. This is kind of an illusion or a foreshadowing of what our glorified bodies will be like in heaven. Jesus is able to literally walk through the wall, walk through the door. It's locked. He's there. He's like, here I am. Peace be with you. They're probably freaked out a little bit. Like, we got the door. Like, like, where'd you come from? And so he's like, peace. Peace be with you is his first words. And then in uh, verse 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, so this is a very interesting moment, a very important moment, I would add, too. Jesus has received the Holy Spirit, and he breathed on them. This is what God did in the very beginning. He breathed life into Adam, and Adam had life. It's the same as Ezekiel breathing life into the dry bones and prophesying, and they came to life. This breathing, this breath of God is the regenerative power of God bringing life out of it. We just sang that a few moments ago, right? It's your breath in my lungs. So I pour out my praise because God has given me life by his breath. God in the beginning breathed on Adam and he had life. Jesus now in this moment is breathing into his disciples and they're receiving eternal life is what they're receiving. Eternal life. This is awesome. And so Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit, breathe on them. They receive the Holy Spirit in that moment because that word receive literally means immediately or right now. It doesn't mean this is going to happen someday, and that's what took place in Acts chapter 2 that we read about. It's not like this will eventually happen pretty soon. It was in that moment, immediately, they received the Holy Spirit. So they are, you would say, saved now. They have the Holy Spirit inside them. They're saved. And then in Acts chapter 2, later on, then they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so what you see right here with the disciples is there's two separate moments here. One where they receive the Holy Spirit, now they're saved. And then in Acts chapter 2 where they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is where they are filled with power from on high, like Jesus said. Uh, they're clothed with power from on high. Two different unique experiences. And we'll see that pattern played out through the rest of the book of Acts. So in Acts chapter 2 when, the, when this first happens... A baptism of the Holy Spirit takes place. As you can imagine, it causes quite a commotion. This huge crowd gathers around the disciples and all these people in the upper room, and they're like, what is going on? A lot of people are amazed. And then other people are like, you guys are weird. Like, seriously, like, you've had literally too much wine. You're all drunk. That has to be the explanation. And so Peter stands up and preaches his first sermon, thousands of people there, and he says, hey, guys, no, 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 we're not drunk. That is not the issue here. And he begins to preach about Jesus. 3,000 people get saved. They get water baptized that day, and the church is born. Oh, it's a very, very important moment here in Acts chapter 2 as the, as the church is born. But all came after the disciples were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, what's interesting about Peter is that just a few weeks before, he's denied publicly. Like, he couldn't stand up for Jesus, in front of a little girl. And she's like, you were with Jesus, so you're one of them, aren't you? He's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. He can't even say he's a friend of Jesus to a few people, even a little girl, yet you fast forward to these few weeks later, Acts chapter two, all of a sudden Peter's standing up and he's delivering a sermon to thousands about Jesus. So what changed? He's clothed with power. From on high. Jesus said, you receive power and you will be my witnesses. So you've got to understand that the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an empowerment for witness. That is the purpose. God wants to give you a spirit of power so that you can be a witness for him. And that comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of it is an empowerment for witness. The purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not tongues. Okay, that's evidence of it, but that's not the purpose 
of it. The purpose is so that you and I could be more bold in our faith. If you want more boldness, you want more strength and courage to be a witness for Jesus, this is a gift that you and I need to continually ask for. It's not just a one-time thing, by the way. It's a continual thing, and God wants to fill you with power from on high so that you and I can be a witness for him. So Peter's boldness obviously has increased, wouldn't you say? Denies Jesus to a little girl, preaches to thousands. Marked difference. I'll never forget when this happened to me, by the way. It was very similar. I was a junior in high school and went to a youth convention. And uh, I got, remember the speaker called people down to the front for prayer at the end of the service. I don't remember what the service was all about. I just remember going down to the front, wanted to pray. And the front happened to be right on the gymnasium of the Washington State University basketball court. We're in the Coliseum of the Washington State University basketball team. And it's super cool. I was loving the whole weekend because it's like my two favorite things, Jesus and basketball. And so I'm encountering Jesus on the basketball court. And as I'm praying there, responding to this altar call, all of a sudden, I mean, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know what it meant. I'm speaking out in tongues. I'm like, this is crazy, but this is cool. I just feel God like I've never felt him in my entire life. I'm looking around. My friend's got this too. Wow, this happened to all of us. Wow, this is pretty cool and great. And I'm telling you guys, it changed my life. It wasn't just like a spiritual, emotional experience. It changed my life so much so that when I went back to school, I had way more boldness than I ever had before. I wanted all my friends to hear about Jesus, to be saved. I'm sharing friends, uh, Jesus with my friends on my basketball team. I just wanted the whole school to know Jesus. It was a drastic difference in my life. I experienced it even before I even understood theologically or biblically what was even going on. I just God just clothed me with power from on high, and I'm glad that he did. And if you've never received this gift, I would pray that you would receive this gift so that you can be clothed with power from on high, that you will be filled with power to be a witness for Jesus. This is what Jesus needs in the world. There's more bold witnesses for him. Not Christians who believe in him but are fearful and shy away, but people that are just bold. Now, God wants to give you that boldness. He wants to give you that courage. So if you've never, ever received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, let me just say a few things to kind of just... Put your mind at ease and maybe just kind of give you a good framework mentally about this. Please know this about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number one, it's biblical. It's all over scripture here. Okay, we just read Acts chapter two. It also happens in Acts chapter eight, Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 19. All four of those you hear, you read about baptism of the Holy Spirit. So it's biblical. Number two, it is for everyone. Jesus wanted his disciples to experience it. And then... The disciples wanted everybody, all the believers after that to experience it. What you will read about when you go through uh, Acts chapter 8, 10, and 19 and read the stories of people getting baptized, they were already saved and believers in Jesus. And then the disciples come in and they're like, have you been filled with the Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit? And on one occasion, they're like, we haven't even heard about that. We don't even know there was such a thing. So they lay hands on them, pray for them, and they're, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so what you see is this pattern all throughout Scripture, again, is that these people believe, and then they have a separate experience where they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so let me just be clear and say this, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit does not make you saved. It does not mean now you're saved, okay, now you can go to heaven. Some people teach that, but that's not biblical. It is not, if, salvation is in Jesus alone. Okay, so then at that moment you have the Holy Spirit. But then we're talking about now the baptism of the Holy Spirit, separate 
And it's very clear when you read through those stories, like these people are already believers. And then they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's super cool. Okay, so it's for everyone. It's not just for super weird, crazy Pentecostal Christians too, by the way. Okay, it's for everyone, even normal people like you. Number three. Some of you are like, you don't know me, right? (laughs) Are any of us really normal? Number three, it doesn't have to be emotional. Okay, it doesn't have to be. For some people it is, some people it isn't. Okay, number four, we're going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service to receive this gift. Because maybe you've never asked, maybe you've never received it. I'm going to give you an opportunity today to receive it. Because again, going back to number one, it's, it's biblical, and I believe it's very, very, very important for you. So, the salvation experience is separate from the baptism of the Holy Spirit experience. And so I want to be clear with that. But also say, if you have never committed your life to Jesus, just start there. Say yes to Jesus. Begin following him. Jesus went to the cross and paid the penalty of death for your sins because he loved you so much. And he wants to be in a relationship with you. Just start by saying yes to Jesus. Begin there and make the greatest decision of your life. And if you're ready to do that and commit to Jesus, let us know. We want to help you move forward in that decision. If you're online, you're listening to this and you're ready to say yes to Jesus, please let us know. We want to help you grow in this relationship that you and I were all created to have. That's a relationship with our creator. Okay, so why should I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So let me give you three really good and I would say biblical reasons why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is very important for us. Number one, it will empower you to be his witness. Okay, we've talked a lot about that, but let's just be clear about that again. Okay, it will empower you to be his witness. Number two, to experience more of his presence in your life. Which that can be a good thing, right? Number three, it can build your life spiritually. It will strengthen you. It will build you up, Jude talks about. Okay, so again, it doesn't make you saved, but it will do those things in your life. And so some people, as we can begin to talk about, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they'll say, okay, that's great. I, I, I like that. It seems biblical. I want it. Yes, Lord, but I don't want the tongues thing. Can we just kind of like throw the tongues thing out? That's, that's weird and doesn't make sense. And I think it's okay for us all to acknowledge that, yes, it is weird and it doesn't make sense. So why does God put that in there? Like it's, it's, there's, there's so many things in scripture. You're just like, wow, that is weird. But then you think about it even longer, like, but that's actually kind of cool, God, too. It's pretty cool. Because God just does weird things that end up being really cool. It doesn't make sense to us in our brain, in our finite brains. So can I have this without the tongues thing? I'd really like that. And I think it's important for us to get to this place where we're just in full surrender to Jesus. And I think that why Jesus includes this into the baptism of the Holy Spirit is because the hardest thing for you and I to surrender in our life is James chapter 3, the tongue. The tongue. The tongue is so difficult. Go read through James chapter three. You know, it's a world of evil set on fire by hell itself. Okay, that's my, no, okay. You know, but by the grace of God, thankfully, and he helps us. Okay, but it is the hardest thing for you and I to tame and control. And yes, even that, we need to surrender to Jesus fully and completely. And so I think that there's something to that, why this would be included in this baptism, the Holy Spirit thing. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 14, verse five. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. This is his desire for every believer, that everybody would speak in tongues. Later on in that same chapter, he says, Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly manner or way. And so 
That's our heart too. But Paul is, we've got to understand, Paul's addressing some abuse of the spiritual gifts. That's why 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 exist. They were going way overboard, being way too crazy, and making it all about themselves and not God. And so Paul's bringing instruction and direction as to this is how it's supposed to function within the church. And it must be done, like he says right here, in a fitting and orderly way. Okay, so remember, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Follow the way of love, that's most important, and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. It's very important we just continue to go to that place as we talk about the spiritual gifts and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So there's three types of tongues. It's important we understand this. Some scholars will, will break it down even further than this. I'm a simple guy. I like to keep it simple. Most people like it simple too. So let's just, three different types of tongues. Let's look at it simple. Number one, okay, and first of all, let me say this. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10, speaking in different kinds of tongues. So that shows us there are different kinds of tongues, right? Okay, so there's three different kinds of tongues that you'll see in scripture. Number one is the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit baptism the tongues that you receive when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so the scriptures there again, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. In three of the four of those, speaking in tongues is specifically mentioned, very specifically. In one of those, Acts chapter 8, it isn't specifically mentioned, but something physically happens there that Simon the sorcerer looks at and he's like, Dude, whatever that gift is, I want that. Like, here's, I got, he pulls out his wallet and says, Peter, John, like, here's some money. I want to pray for people so that I can see that happen when I lay hands on them and pray for them. So something physically happened that he saw that he's like, whoa, dude, that's cool. I want that. So we could infer that it possibly, probably is tongues. Why did God leave it out? Maybe he didn't want us to get all caught up in the tongues things. I could, I could go with that as well. But what we see is there is a pattern, though, of tongues pretty clearly still, that tongues is connected to uh, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's the, uh, we're still on number one, right? The initial evidence of the Holy Spirit baptism. So then when this happens, I think it opens up the doors for other tongues. So two other tongues that I would say are, one is personal tongues in, uh, as a prayer language. So this becomes a prayer language in your life where you're just praying in tongues. So, this helps you communicate with God, 1 Corinthians 14, 2. Helps build your life, your spiritual life, Jude, verses 20 and 21. Helps edify your spiritual life, 1 Corinthians 14, 5. And then it can stir up prayers of intercession, Romans 8, verses 26 and 27. All these things take place personally for you as you exercise the gift of tongues as a personal prayer language. Okay, So again, you can see this is a good thing. It'll encourage you, strengthen you, build up yourself in your own faith. And Paul again says, I, I wish that all of you would speak in tongues like me. And he even says at one point, I speak in tongues more than all you guys. But I want you guys to speak in tongues. Okay, so that's number two. And then number three, there's tongues for interpretation. This is like a public tongues. Okay, oftentimes the initial evidence of the, of the Holy Spirit baptism, that tongues can be a, a, a public thing or it can be a private thing. It could be either one. But this number three, tongues for interpretation, is, is always a public thing. And so this is, Paul talks about this a lot in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14, but this is where someone would, in a church setting like this, would speak out in tongues. It would happen in a right place. Remember, Paul is saying, in a fitting and orderly way. 
So as a time, maybe when the worship's a little bit quieter, we're praying, we're kind of seeking God, someone would speak out in tongues and someone else would interpret that tongue in English. And so it happened in scripture. What was happening in the Corinthian church is they were going overboard. They just kept going on and on and they were abusing that. And, was, you know, and people were probably getting pretty prideful and they were making it about them. And so Paul's bringing direction and order to that. And it didn't just happen in, in the Bible though. It still happens today. People still speak out public tongues in a corporate setting like this and people will interpret. I've been a part of it times. It's happened here before. And when this happens, it's pretty cool. Uh, I just love it. And, and Paul's trying to kind of bring some order and direction to the spiritual gifts. I would say we're at a place like I'm a kind of God, release your spiritual gifts a little bit more in your church, okay? Because people are, are, are dormant in these gifts. But public tongues and interpretation is a biblical thing, and it still happens today. In fact, sometimes when it happens and these things take place, people will speak out in, in other earthly languages, not just tongues. Like, you remember the scripture we looked at, the very, very beginning? Paul says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Okay, he's elevating love, but notice he breaks down different types of tongues. There's tongues of men and tongues of angels. There's languages of, of earth and languages of heaven. So sometimes as this happens, languages of earth can actually come out. In fact, I read this story where it took place in a Bible college chapel. Someone spoke out in tongues and someone else interpreted it. Later on that night, this guy was talking to his friend who was a student from Taiwan. And so this Taiwanese guy was you know, had left his family, left his home, was in here in the States, going to Bible college. Felt, he was at a place where he's feeling very lonely and discouraged and just was struggling. But that night, he was just full of joy and excited, just kind of like Melody is right now, like God's doing all this kind of stuff, you know? And, and so his friend asked, like, why are you so excited? What's going on? What, tell me what's going on. And he's like, well, you remember that tongues interpretation this morning? He's like, the person that spoke in tongues spoke my native language of Mandarin, where I'm from in Taiwan. And then the person that interpreted in English gave the exact translation that that person said in, in, in Mandarin. Yeah, wow. And so for that young man, it was one of those moments where God was saying, I see you, I'm here for you. He spoke directly to him in two languages that he could understand. And so it was an amazing thing. But it also is pretty amazing that God still does that through the languages of earth. I've heard of missionary, I heard one missionary tell me specifically seeing people baptized in the Holy Spirit in the country that they were a missionary at, and the people would begin to speak out in English. He said, it's awesome when you see that happen. So it still happens. It happened in Acts chapter two, by the way. That was part of the reason that this huge crowd gathered around those disciples and everyone in the upper room in Acts chapter two, they're speaking other earthly language. Then people are like, what's going on here? This is awesome. This is crazy. So that still happens today. So let me just say a few things to kind of set up how we want to operate in this because we want to, like Paul says, do this in a fitting and orderly way. Amen? I want to see the gifts released in your life. I pray that you would eagerly desire the gifts. Okay, remember, that's something you are called, even commanded to do, encouraged to do by Paul. Follow the way of love, but eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. I pray that we would have a desire, for, a greater desire for these in our life and experience these because they're, they're just so important and they're so powerful. And 
Uh, when we do this, though, we got to make sure we do it right. So when we're here on a Sunday morning and we're doing our Sunday gatherings, if you're speaking in tongues, you want to make sure you're doing it in such a way where it's not drawing attention to yourself and you're not doing it too loud. And the reason is because we want people to not be distracted by you. We want them to see Jesus. But also, we don't want to confuse people. I've, it's happened actually in a Sunday morning service here where someone spoke really loud in tongues. And so it was really confusing. Was that a tongues for interpretation or was that just them getting really loud personally? And I actually, it confused several people. I talked to that individual like, no, it's just a personal thing. And so I'm like, okay, let's make sure we're not confusing people because it really felt like it was supposed to be public, but they just were just being way too distracting and speaking too loud in their personal prayer language. So we want to keep that to a minimum so we don't distract people, but also so we don't confuse people. Now, when we get into our prayer meetings and our prayer and worship nights, you'll see the exercise those gets more and more, even more free and more loudly. Those are great moments to do that. But we want to make sure, especially in these public corporate gatherings, doing it in a fitting and orderly way. It's why you won't see me speak in tongues in the mic. Because, and I, there's lots of people that do that. I have friends that do that. And that's fine. It doesn't bother me too much. But a conviction for me is I've just gone public with this gift of tongues. Now it should be interpreted. And it can also be distracting and can, it can weird people out. People will look at us like Paul says, even in 1 Corinthians 14, and they'll think, are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? You know, and so if I'm up here and I'm praying and I begin to begin to pray in the spirit and pray in tongues, I'll bring the mic down because I don't want to bring public attention to my personal praying in tongues. Otherwise, I think it brings confusion. So those are just some of the things we do to make sure we're doing it in a fitting and orderly way. But please know, we want to follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Amen? And I just pray that we'd see this more and more and more and more. You know, I read another story this week about a missionary who came from China back to the States, was speaking at a church, and he went into this prayer meeting before, it was a pre-service prayer meeting before the service started. And he stopped and he's listening to someone pray in tongues. And he turned to the pastor and he says, that lady over there is praying for people in my church by name. They were, he was praying in a language. This guy, this, this lady didn't know what she was even saying, but he recognized that, that whatever it was, Mandarin, whatever it was in China, he was praying in that language, praying and speaking out specific names of people in his congregation halfway across the world. God still uses people in these gifts, guys. It's not just in scripture. It's not just for the days of old. It's for the days of today and the days of future. And so I just pray that God will release these gifts in you. And so I really believe it's important for you and I to seek the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is one of those things that God wants to fill you with to empower you to be a bold witness for him. And so we're gonna take a few moments and pray for that. Pray that you receive that today. It's that important. Before we go, before we leave here today, we're gonna take some time. We're just gonna pray and we're gonna worship. We're gonna enjoy the presence of God and we're gonna enjoy the gifts that he gives us here today. And it's gonna be awesome. And as you and I just create space over these next few moments, it's gonna be greater than anything you and I would experience for the rest of this day, really. Unless you go back and spend more time in his presence. But we really want to be rivers people and experience his presence, experience his spirit in our life. So we're gonna do that for these next few moments today. But before we go, before we pray, let me just give you a few challenges this week, okay? Number one is this, this I wanna encourage you to do, my challenge to you. This week, ask Jesus for this baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, we're gonna ask today, maybe it doesn't happen today. Oftentimes it does. Sometimes it takes a few days. The disciples in the upper room, they were praying and waiting for 10 days. I've heard of friends that it took a while and um, one person, it happened in driving down the road in their car. They got baptized in the Holy Spirit, began to speak out in tongues. They had to pull over so they wouldn't get in a car wreck. Somebody else woke up one morning just speaking in tongues. The, the Spirit of God was all over them. They just woke up. They're like, man, it so it can happen anytime, anywhere, because God's that big and that cool. But we're going to pray that it happens today. All right? But number one is, is, is keep asking for that, okay? Ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit this week. Number two, share your faith with someone who doesn't know Jesus this week. And if that scares you, pray for boldness. But number two, this is what, we're, that's what I'm encouraging you to do this week. Share your faith with someone who doesn't know Jesus this week. Maybe it's a family member or a coworker or whatever. Just do it this week. Not someday in the future I want to do that. No, this week. And then lastly, number three, invite an unchurched person to join you next Sunday for church. Because we want to be a church for the unchurched. We exist so that people who don't know God can come and know God and grow in their relationship with him. That's why we are here. So I just pray that God will empower us by his spirit to see that happen. But then it won't happen if we, were, if we don't ever invite unchurched people to come and join us, right? So do that this week. Invite an unchurched person to join you next Sunday for church. Let's all do this. You could even do it online. Those of you joining us online, you can invite someone to watch with you at a different location or even the same location. You can share your Facebook as, as a watch party, I think it's called. Share that and, and invite people to come. Connect with them online. You can actually invite people to join you at church online too. So feel free to do that. And that's just a super way to use technology today to reach people. So that's my challenge to you guys this week. Okay, before we go into time of prayer and worship, do that. Keep asking Jesus for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Share your faith. Invite unchurched people to, ch to church, all right? Let's do this, guys. Let's, let's live this thing out. Because again, I don't want this to be like, a, hey, that was a great message, pastor. Needed that. I really want us to like, let's just live this out together. And if it's scary, just remember, God wants to give you boldness and courage to do it. Because he's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power. A spirit of power. You want that? Why don't you stand to your feet? Let's pray. Why don't you join me in prayer right now? In fact, let's just put our hands out like this, just in a position to receive. You can even do this if, at home if you're online watching. Just put your hands out. Because I believe in as we pray and worship today that God can meet you and fill you and baptize you wherever you're at. Jesus, you see our hands. More importantly, you see our hearts. This is an outward posture of our heart, inwardly saying we just, we're, we're here to receive from you today. We want more of you. We want all that you have for us today. So God, we just put ourselves before you and ask for you to move to work. Uh, Holy Spirit, would you fall in this place? Holy Spirit, would you fall in people's lives right now? God, we've looked at your word. We've laid this out theologically and biblically. We've talked about it, but Lord, that now is the moment where we need you to activate your word. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move over these next few moments right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.